Welcome back to Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I'm your favorite host, Shane. And we are going over, um, not 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 our favorite, but uh, well, actually, it might be one of our favorites. But um, it is it is my neighbor Totoro. Yes, the logo itself. We are pretty much uh, reviewing Jerry West right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, we are reviewing the mascot of Studio Ghibli itself, my neighbor Totoro. A very, as, as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, this was a double feature um, with Crave of the Fireflies, which is kind of baffling when you think about it, but it, it makes sense in the long run of uh, both of those, those films were not as commercially viable, so they put them yeah. as a, so they put them as a double feature to hopefully recoup that uh that expense yeah the the, uh the idea of this movie was actually originally rejected earlier in the 80s um when when miyazaki brought it up uh and it was only agreed to do uh to be done because of the double feature the uh the financier uh financiers and uh, distribution executives uh uh quote didn't think the furry giant could take off literally or figuratively and also that distributors simply didn't believe there was an audience for a story about two little girls and a monster in modern Japan. Because, you know, Japan's always been bad with monster movies, right? Yeah, they never do well. They never are known for them at all. Um, but, you know, this ends up, as the double feature, it ends up going um, to make 1.7 billion yen in, in Japan um, when it was the double feature, so... It didn't really become successful until it was out of theaters, but it was it was originally a, a flop in the box office itself. Um, a lot of the money that it made that that you're reading for the making are actually from like re-releases yes. and redistribution to theaters. But but once it made it its uh, way to uh, television, uh, it developed a cult following in Japan itself. Yes. This is actually this movie actually had the worst opening box office of any Ghibli movie. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me in in some aspects, and and it was it was released uh, just like Grave of the Fireflies at, is on April sixteenth, nineteen eighty eight, as part of the der- their double feature, and we we went over in more detail during the last episode our our animation timeline, uh, but it it had some stiff competition for sure. Uh, the the first Appleseed movie, uh, Akira, The Land Before Time, Oliver and Company, and if we count it as an animated movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think this movie, if it had been released in theaters in America at that time, which I don't believe it was, I believe it was only released in Japan, would have even dented the box office at all. No, it, it wouldn't have. I don't believe so either. Uh, but... As as we've said, upon re-releases, people love this movie. Yeah, no, it it is uh, like I said, it's a cult classic. Uh, developed a, a very large following of people from the kind of wholesome nature of the film that it was a, it was a it's a sweet film rather than you know a lot of the things that you mentioned there. As sweet as uh, as Land Before Time is, it's dark. I mean, it's Don Bluth, so of course it's dark. And and there was a lot of a lot of kind of darkness in, yeah. in children's movies at the time like there either had to be a dark film or 
action packed is is really what they they wanted and this didn't really have either of those so once it went to television uh people found it as kind of a sweet um kind of release film for their to, to let the kids watch because they you know it's nothing in this movie uh really makes you worry no no nothing like and even and even so like the only the only things that actually make me like get worried during the point of this movie i think were because of the juxtaposition and being so close to watching it with grave of the fireflies yeah um you know since there's so much child death in that movie that if you if you are not sure how this movie's yes. gonna end and you go into this one and the second they're searching for a child you go oh no not again don't do this again <laughs> yep ex- exactly it's like oh no like if anything like no, you know normally in the in the movie in a movie it would it'd be a little bit of a worry like oh no where are they gonna find may and then it's like oh yeah, well, of course they're going to find May. She'll be fine. Um, it's just, oh, let's see how long it'll take Sesko to, to find her. But then you realize, like, oh, man, we just watched this really dark movie where, where a bunch of kids die. And would are they are they going to pull that again? And it's like, oh, they, they're fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, an interesting thing about this movie is that it's, uh, well, two interesting things. One, it's it's set in a in a real place. Um, it is it is uh, based in Tokorozawa, uh, Japan, which is about an hour outside of Tokyo, and it is actually based uh, loosely off of Miyazaki's childhood. Obviously, he didn't ride a cat bus or hang out with a troll, but his mother was sick when he was a, when he was a child, and and he was living in this in this area and. And, you know, he, he kind of based around kind of feelings that he was having back when he was a kid, which is one of the reasons why he was really pushing. Yeah, I believe he movie. actually wrote that part of why he had the two main characters be uh, female was the fact that he thought that if the if the movie was two boys, um, it would be too painful because it would be too much like his experience. Um, as a child, because yeah. yeah, his his mother had, I believe they said it was uh, spinal tuberculosis, um, and yes. that's why she was in the hospital. And yeah, it's it's such a wonderfully made film, though, and you can see from the very beginning. Um, speaking of the juxtaposition between the two the two movies and comparing and contrasting them. Totoro is so colorful and you get these bright lush greens and blues even in a, like our opening segment which is the the dad and and Setsuko and May uh driving into town uh to to find their new house um that they're staying at while the mother is sick and just yeah so much you know, you have all these people, you know, just going and getting the rice patties from the fields and, you know, all this lush, uh, sh- you know, so much water and so much, you know, nice blue skies and green grass and the trees and everything, as opposed to, you know, the very faded and kind of darker looking tone that we had in the last film. 
yeah the the it, it is it is really pretty and it it's the animation itself i mean obviously it's it's uh you know fun monsters and and things like that to to really feel dynamic in comparison to grave of the fireflies but um it it, it is a very pretty film and and i mean it's it, that that's kind of the the art style of Ghibli films and, and Miyazaki films is, is this kind of really uh, put a lot of detail into the scenery around them so that, that um, you always have, even, even in, you know, throwaway uh, little scenes, there's always something kind of nice to look at, uh, which, which is, which is nice. Um, I, I, I don't think that this, of the of the Miyazaki films that I have watched, I don't necessarily think anything in this stands out when it comes to uh, the way that the the world looks or or general you know prettiness of the world, I guess, or or, or general kind of look of the world. It it to me it is the most um, average because I think they were trying to really portray the actual place that that this is based out of really well and and i just don't think it stands out as much because of that yeah i i can see that i think it was just um part of it is the just the choice in colors um that that make it stand out um and actually one of the people that i was going to uh bring up as as we were going on in this discussion is uh Kazuo Oga, who was the art director for this film, um, and this was uh, his first film with Studio Ghibli, and would go on to. Can can I guess that he did? Uh, did he do Kiki's Delivery Service as well? In some, yes. Um, so so, uh, Oga would be. So they they served on as background art as um uh here here's the films that they served as the art director for they would they would end up coming back for only yesterday, Pompoko, uh, Princess Mononoke, and the Tales of Princess Kaguya. Huh. The first two don't surprise me because they're very, you know, regular world kind of kind of feel like this one. You know, they they don't. They don't get as fantastical, um, yep. but then Princess Mononoke kind of throws that for a, a bit of a curveball. Yep. Uh, but you are correct in the fact that they they also worked as a background artist, and the Ghibli movies that they worked on as a background artist were Kiki's Delivery Service, Whisper of the Heart, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, uh, The Secret World of Arietti. And when Marnie was there. So all the other ones. <laughs> so all the other ones, basically, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's nice that, that uh, Ghibli kind of, they they go back to the well. They 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 work with people a lot that they really gives them their signature style that that you notice throughout throughout the film. Films. Yeah. Well, and yeah, um, and, 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 and and they also grow when when they make things too. I mean, yeah, this yes, like, like I could guess the background of this one was similar to to Kiki's Delivery Service. That's not to say it's the same, it but it's 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 got a similar kind of feel to it. But I would never have guessed that they were also part of Howl's Moving Castle. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah, and and well, it's yeah, it's just it's always interesting to look. And I mean, each each animated movie has has hundreds of people, you know, that are working as as animators, background artists, and art directors. Um, obviously, it, it was easier to see uh, what what films uh, that uh, Kazuo Oga uh, had done as art director because there's only one art director as opposed to the, you know, dozens of animators that that are on each project so and of course the storyboards were mostly done by Hayao Miyazaki himself as as he's done for basically all of his movies um, even up to the wind rises and most likely for the one that he is uh, in development of now well but that one hasn't come out yet so we can't say that one for sure that's why I said most likely yes uh, so uh, this movie, I mean, it's it's a very simple plot. It's it's family moves to the country. Uh, really, you're only introduced to the the two little girls and the dad at first. Find out that the mom's sick and she's gonna come come live with them. Uh, what the older girls go into school, the young girl stays home. Young girl finds kind of this fantastical world with with uh, uh, with trolls. Totoro, which is a, a mispronunciation of the Japanese word for troll, uh, Toruru. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I think it's Toruru or something similar to that, yeah. And uh, and then and then they go, go on a couple little mini-adventures with Totoro. Uh, nothing really, honestly, real big. You know, they're very, very much these things that you go, you know, they run outside and make a giant tree grow in the yard while the dad's sleeping. And, and they... Uh, they they stand at a bus stop with him like it's 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 little things little, little kind of fantastical you know imaginary friend kind of kind of feel things and uh eventually it leads into uh may the younger sister uh running away when she finds out that her mom can't come home because she's too sick uh and they go searching for her there is a little subplot of they find a shoe in the lake, which, uh, at which point they find uh, they find out that it's not her shoe. Yeah, uh, and they the moment they find out it's not her shoe, they stop looking in the lake and they go, "Oh, must be some other child. We don't care about this, this yeah. other child." Yeah, that was that was the one the one thing that I can I can slightly criticize this movie about is like so much is hanging on this. Oh, they found a shoe in the pond, which is like one of the only times that Kanta, who's the other, uh, who's the male child who lives like he's an, he's a, he's the other neighbor, um, you know, down the road, who's the weirdest character in some aspects, um, of this movie, uh, because he barely speaks and is very awkward around girls. Yeah. How, how weird is that? <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I've seen it. It's real. I've seen it and done that. I thought he was the most realistic character I've ever seen in, in a Miyazaki film. At one point in time, he like, I I, oh, I forget what he does exactly, but he does something that isn't really that big of a deal, but he feels so proud of himself right after he does it. Is it, is it when he, ha oh, it's when he gives her the umbrella uh, and then runs away. <laughs> And he just feels so proud of himself that he that he did the, such this great thing. Yeah, he's he's so he's like, 
And 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 also how he gives her the umbrella as well. Let's 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 talk about that. Um, so it's it's the scene where the, where they're raining, where it's they're coming back from school. Um, uh, Setsuko had um, had had uh, what it was one of the days that their father was at the university, so May was left with not nanny. And and Setsuko was at school, but May, you know, threw a tantrum and wanted to be with her sister. Um, and so they're coming back, and they realize that it's going to start raining. And neither of them have an umbrella. They're hiding underneath this, you know, little, um, I think it's actually a shrine. Um, yes. And it's actually, it's a shrine, I believe, uh, to, uh, it's a Buddhist... I think it's a Shinto shrine. Yeah, it's a Shinto shrine, but but it's about it's 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 actually like the protector of like wayward souls. I can't remember if it's that one or when May goes missing. Um, but they're they're at this little shrine, and you know, getting cover from the rain, and Kanta comes up, and just shoves the umbrella like at them, like take this, and then you know, Setsuku finally takes it. And then, yeah, he just runs away, but so proud of himself. Um, the closest to talking to a girl he's ever been. Well, apart from apart from earlier in the movie where he delivered a package, then ran out to the yard, turned around, and just yells, "Your house is haunted!" Uh, I did. I did forget about the house is haunted part of it. Yep. Um, yeah. No, he's very believable. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is. He is like how I was as a child to the T. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 you get the you know him talking about the house being haunted, them telling their dad, and I realized especially in my in my rewatch, uh, the second time I wa- I watched it for this. Um, the dad's like one of my favorite characters because he's so calm throughout the entire movie. Like, no, nothing can phase him. It's uh, it's all good. Um, and including, and it very much sets the tone as they talk about like the soot sprites and like the, the stuff that's up in the attic and the girls are freaking out a little bit. And they, they talk to her dad. It's like, dad, we think the house is haunted. And his response is just like, oh, I've always wanted to live in a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome. It's just a solid, solid dad response also. I mean, he's he's the dad of two young girls with a sick mother. So he does a really, I mean, they do a good job of portraying him as this dad that is definitely putting on this great uh, front for his his two little girls to make sure that they're having a happy, good time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even... Like the when they're in the bathhouse and they start hearing the noises and start getting scared, and he's just like, "Oh, just laugh it off, like just laugh it off and kind of keep that positive energy going and and that's that's what'll get you through this night, which kind of i I actually realize uh actually kind of the only time that you're concerned about the characters is actually when Setsuko loses that positivity and she yells at May. 
because she's so scared about their mom and that's when may runs away uh yeah no and, and it show it i mean and they do a good job of saying that you know the sisters have to it, it's the little things that they hint towards which are really nice you know the sisters have to look out for each other and and that they're they're stronger together um uh, to get through this and i they kind of hint towards that in a, in a lot of different ways that they that they play off in this movie yeah. uh, i i this is the first introduction of the soot sprites as well uh which you'll see again in spirited away yeah and uh, in, in a pretty prominent role uh and they kind of explain what soot sprites are in this movie which they don't i don't believe they really explain what they are they just call them soot sprites in spirited away so it's pretty much under the assumption that you already knew what a soot sprite was. Oh, okay. not that they're a very complicated um, idea. You know, they're they're living dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, one of the other things. Uh, so so we we actually glossed over it, but the uh, the opening credits are the most charming, just ridiculously happy opening credits that that ghibli has done that i can remember of, of all the ghibli movies that i've seen yeah the opening credits to this one is is it's a it, it's like the closing credits of a slice of life anime like it, it's just it's straight up like like little drawings and a and a sweet and, and a song and, and i think it's totoro toto toro Totoro, Totoro, like something like that. Yeah, and and it's just so catchy and just like, oh, I'm happy now because of this. And then yeah, you just yeah, the entire time it's just May marching. Of course, you don't know who who May is yet, but I mean, she ends up being kind of the main character of the movie. And and May actually kind of marches that same way uh, when she first encounters the Totoros. And I. I... I do feel like that they did that because of the combination of the two films. Yes. That they, they did the, the really over the top, like fun, sweet opening song that they don't really do in any other movie just because they knew that emotions were riding high right before this. Yeah. They had to find a way to bring them in right away into this. To be like, okay, we can calm down now. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you can calm down and watch, you know, and 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 really, like, if it weren't for the the like positive outlook that this movie has, some of these character designs would be a little scary. Oh yeah, it's it's the I I mean, I, I mentioned them earlier. It's kind of the Don Bluth fashion of of character design, which is also a a Ghibli fashion of like everything that is fun is also scary. Like they, they, there's a terrifying aspect to everything, but you know, being as they're little kids, they see this, the, the fun, the fun and sweetness in these terrifying, you know, giant toothed screaming monster that instead of being afraid of, of it screaming at you, they were just like, Oh, fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. may, yeah. The, the first time you see like the, I think it's the O O Tot O Totoro or King Totoro. Like May's on top of it. It screams at it and then May just screams back at it. Yeah, and and then laughs and like cuddles with her with, with him and takes a nap with him. Yeah. Uh it so it's just 
and, and you know, it turns out that it is a sweet troll and not a, yes. not a bad troll, so it works out fine. But like, th- this could easily have been a scary creature. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. If you think of the description, this probably eight foot tall, hairy, huge teeth, claws. You know, looks like a giant bear. You know, creature, but it's the most cuddly. You know charming little thing ever well the 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 chibi <laughs> eversion yeah yeah is the most adorable thing in this movie but so you've got the like the super little version the slightly s- bigger version and then the huge version and i i love may seeing the little one at first and like the little one's reaction to may being able to see it because it's like slightly transparent at first and it's just walking around and then it becomes less and less you know transparent and more more opaque and then you just see it turn around look at May like what you can see me why uh i got to get away from this creature i don't know what this is as it tries to scurry away and may keeps running after it I, and I mean, the the granny kind of sets it up before saying, like, when I was your age, I could see these things, too. So the idea that they're they're real, not fake. It's just you have to have a childlike mind to see it. And, and... Yeah, which I, I really like that they they play with that throughout the movie. I like the fact that the kids can see these creatures, but you never break that imagination of like the adults like because I've, I've seen it in other movies where it's like oh this is an imaginary character and then an adult will walk into the room and you see that the kid is clearly just playing with with themselves or playing with something that's not there and the this movie never does that really like the dad never sees them you know granny never sees he's the Totoro's but they also never don't see them like even you could almost have the conceit later in like as the cat bus is running around and runs through that the adults are just too caught up in their own selves to notice it more than like it doesn't exist yeah and and they 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 hint at that pretty well like in the tree growing scene where they even show the shadow of the tree in the house but the dad just doesn't turn around to look at it yep and I love the fact that as the cat bus is running towards the end, I don't that... want to talk about the cat bus. No, but but I get to, I get to talk to about another creature that you like, um, because as that thing is running, a dog's actually barking at it. Oh, well, I, I I did not even notice that because I was too busy being terrified of the cat bus. I yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's terrible. a terrifying thing. It's the most terrifying thing in this entire movie. But I do love the fact that, yeah, as it's like running around as they're searching for May, you know, it, it goes past the adults. The adults, you know, think nothing of it. But then there's this dog in like one of the houses that's just barking at it. And yeah, I just I just wrote, haha, the dog is barking at a cat bus. Yeah, I completely just kind of uh, breeze right by that. And and so uh, actually speaking of that, because it might been might have been a difference in the sound design and as well, what I did for this movie and what I'm actually going to try to do moving forward, because 
I think we've we've talked about this before on how basically I end up watching these movies twice. Once to kind of get my general overall impression of it without having to go too in-depth thinking over it too much. And then a second time to take notes. And I, I d- with this time around, I actually did... Uh, the first time I watched it, I watched it in, in English as normal, well, like like we normally do. And actually, the second time I watched it in Japanese. Ah, so that's why when I went to turn on again, it jumped, jumped right to the Japanese track. Yes, it did. I was going to tell you about that, but then I couldn't have told you it on the podcast. So That's true. Uh, cool. What what'd you think? Really good. Like like the the voice acting was really solid in both versions. Nothing that super stood out, but I mean like like we've kind of said that's that's kind of this movie overall and it's it's just a very good well-made movie that, you know, towards the end like I feel like a lot of people why people love this movie is nostalgia. But it's not because it's a fantastic movie, like life-changing movie. But it, you know, it it's never nothing's bad about it. And I like, like I said, I like the fact that it has this. It gives you this outlook as well that to keep your positivity going and and kind of try and find always the the bright side on all these situations. Uh, yeah. Um, this movie is still the bottom of my list okay i don't know i just i i i I get it i get the the allure um it is cute it is it is a neat little story um i hate the cat bus that might have parts part to do with it um for me but i I think that has a lot to do with um i just don't feel like the the it's it's subtle uh uh fantasticalism which is which is fine um, it just doesn't really draw me in. So like when I, when I go to watch or even when I fast forward to like different pieces, which I did earlier today to, to rewatch certain scenes, like even the scenes that are, that are kind of like the bigger and, and more fun scenes to me are still just like, eh, like I, um, like I could, I could take it or leave it with this one. I, I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack from my friend, from some friends for that for that statement but it's just it's just not i don't know it's just not me i guess it's just not my yeah no i i, I get that it's, it's probably the least my cup of tea of all the movies which is which is weird because i did like ponyo which is very very similar in the way that they they make these movies but i i just feel like the scenes where and we'll get into ponyo obviously much later but you know the scenes where they're doing fantastical things there's more going on and more to look at in the scenery and in everything that's happening. And this one, it's just, it's just kind of (laughs) dull. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I think we are, we are at our very first, uh, where we are on polar opposites. Cause this is like my second favorite movie that we've watched so far. Um, well, second best movie that I think we've watched so far. So, so Yeah. And like you said, you're now you're it's towards your towards the bottom, whereas I really enjoyed this. So, yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's still a good movie. Yeah. It's just not that exciting of a movie. And, and movies don't have to be exciting to be good. But 
I don't know. I feel like when it is more of a fantastical, more of a uh, of a fun and lovey movie, that there has to be some some more. I don't know more. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether it's it's. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I. I get where you're coming from on that. Like, like this is a very well built world that uh, I. I don't even know if I can say that because they kind of just jump right into it rather than building it. I. I just think this movie's just fine. Okay. It's just fine. Would I? Would I go back and watch this again afterwards? Maybe if I have a child in 27 years, uh, no sooner. I vow to be 60 years old at my first kid. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't see myself going, going, ever going back and watching this movie again. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, whereas, yeah, like, like this. I mean, part, of, part of why I knew I could handle watching this one in in Japanese for the rewatch was the fact that I did like it. You know to begin with so i was like oh let's let's try something and let's you know experiment and honestly part of it might be the fact that it's such a polar change from you know our last film that i think i'm just happy to be watching a movie that's happy yeah yeah i mean that 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 is true i mean it it is a jump yeah did you know there will never be a sequel to this movie? How come? Uh, they they say that uh, Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki have said that they do not want to ever do another one of these. That they that they have no problem using this as reference throughout and in, in other movies and everything like that. But that that you know this is they they did what they wanted to do in this movie and they think they did it right and they don't want, they just don't need to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess that makes sense as well because i mean really ghibli as a whole has has what one sequel yeah the cat returns yeah so yeah it it, it makes sense to me that yeah they don't want to it's like no we've already we've already done that why would we go back yeah uh but that doesn't stop them from you know from totoro popping up in toy story 3 want to say it was yes or or that uh sounds right other other disney and pixar films for sure because uh totoro has been considered a, a big well i think totoro's uh, in the background of of brave too like it's on like one of the like totem like uh poles it's i would kinda, not uh, i would not doubt that yeah it's just kind of carved into the into the background at one point because they they like doing those little easter eggs so but uh i mean this was influential i'm glad that this movie exists it's just yeah i don't really have any i don't know how much else i have to say about this movie i'm sorry <laughs> oh no 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 it's fine and 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 we knew especially given the fact that it, you know it it was it was also a shorter movie you know there wasn't as much to dig into as far as like tone and and that kind of stuff and and so yeah we we knew this was going to be a shorter episode for sure and uh yeah and and i like the fact that we we were able to at least establish that like okay we're kind of thought of this in very different ways which is which is nice for the discussion 
yeah, we we each have our own opinions on on what what we uh you know what's our own bag and everything. So, you know, I knew this would would happen eventually. Yes, and we are both too stubborn to admit that we're wrong, um, and we definitely will never be able to change the other person's mind. I mean, on whether this is a really really good movie or not, no, because I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think I would want to change your mind on, on this opinion because I think it has more to do with, with uh, as you said, nostalgia and, and, you know, when you saw it originally and, and what the movie itself means to you in that regard than the movie itself. Like, I, I can see why people like this movie. I just yes. don't. I just don't as much. Because yeah. it's a good it's, – it's not a bad movie. I'm – I'm not, I'm definitely not saying it's a bad movie. It's it is still a good movie. It is still better than a lot of movies out there and I think this is a very good movie to, for for kids. Like I think this is a fantastic movie for kids in fact. If I saw this as a kid though, would I have been into it? Probably not. I was watching a lot of He-Man and and Transformers and it just wouldn't have had enough action for me when I was younger, but Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean it's it's definitely not bad. Uh, one one thing we can agree with agree with each other though, um, and I wrote this in my notes uh, throughout the movie. Uh, Setsuko and Kanta are are definitely going to be dating in high school, right? Uh, no, he's going to get friend zoned so hard. See, that's more of my positive outlook, and you just being negative. Sorry, bro. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get super hard friend zoned. He is he is. Uh befriending her very well right now uh in, in the movie at the time period this has happened and uh definitely they would end up probably playing with each other and everything uh after this all goes down and and he has a female friend now and then uh as it switched to high school uh she will move on to someone else <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. um so Glad so, I so throw that out there yeah so so the other thing though i i like um, I almost do wish they would at least do a short. There, there's, there's a, there's a cat bus in May short. Okay, yeah. Um, cause, cause I actually like the little teases that they do in the end of the cre- in the end credits, of, you know, <laughs> May. It looks like May goes to like a daycare or something, and definitely controls the daycare because it mm-hmm. looks like she has all these little minion babies. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- I mean, th- there is, there is some world building done at the end that that it could lead to something kind of fun at, in a you know totoro world kind of style yeah uh, and it's nice because the the mother comes back home in that as well yes that yeah that's that's nice and it looks like they might have a little brother yeah that's yeah i was wondering like yeah if the if the baby's a little brother or if it's yeah like somebody from the from a daycare or something so um but so uh final thoughts and then uh do your plugs uh i think i've i've relayed my thoughts pretty pretty well on this one uh i've done a lot of talking uh about you know great great for kids watch this with your with your eight-year-olds you know uh yeah that's it that's all i got (laughs) Uh, so make sure to follow me at knocked out films on instagram twitter and check out this podcast and find this podcast at knockedoutentertainment.com and make sure to like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Listen to Fantasy Hangover. Hopefully we'll have another episode of that soon. We're just doing them intermittently right now with the way of the world. 
um, and uh, go vote. Make sure to vote absentee or in person, however you got to do it. Just vote. Next time, we will be doing Kiki's Delivery Service, I believe. Yes, that is our next film. And, uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, because I haven't seen Kiki's, so I have no idea what to expect, really. Oh, this will be interesting. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, be good to each other. <laughs>